Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. All right, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And as you're turning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm just going to get started with a brief intro here and one other scripture that I think is important for our sermon series. And um, that is, I want to remind you that God is a builder. God is a builder. How many of you know that you are an image bearer of God? Yeah, you were fashioned, you were formed, you were created after his image and his likeness. Therefore, you are a builder. Everybody say it with me. Say, I am a builder. Do you believe it? One more time. I am a builder. Your God is a builder, and he's made you to be a builder. I believe that everybody here's here today is called and being equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit to make the world a better place. I really believe that. To bring the kingdom and to make an impact on history and to ultimately change the world. I I, I preach that all the time and I believe that's true because the greatest world changer that ever walked the face of planet earth has taken up residence on the inside of you. So remind me again, what is it that you cannot not do? Yeah. We're history makers. We're builders. God is a builder. He's made you to be a builder. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, for we are his workmanship. He's, He's a craftsman. We know he's a carpenter. He's still working on me. Amen. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I know it's popular today for people to say, I have a dream, and you do, no doubt, but even more than that, God had a dream and wrapped your flesh around it. You are prepared far in advance, long before you were born, God had a plan for your life, and a big part of that plan was for you to build and for you to do good works, all right? So say it with me one more time, say, I am a builder. You are a builder, but the question is, what kind of builder are you going to be? What kind of builder are you going to be, and what kind of materials will you use to build in this life? And that's where we're going to find our text today in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, We're going to go to verse 9 through 15. I know you've already stood for worship. I know my wife had you stand for the tithe and the offering but it is our tradition around here to stand for the reading of God's Word. So if you don't mind, let's stand up. We're going to read verse 9 through 15. And something we love to do here is read the Bible out loud all together as a family. You know, when you release the Word of God into the atmosphere, things have to change. Amen? So let's read it together. Verse, start with verse 9. For we are God's, you are God's, God's. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is? Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Uh, I wish I had a Ford truck to put on the screen today to illustrate the title because the title of the sermon is Built to Last. All right? Built to Last. Say it with me again. Say, I am a builder. And what we're going to build in Jesus' name through this family will be Legacy Buildings, not just because that's the name of our church, Lord, but because you are building through us according to grace with the right materials. And I pray over every single person in here today, and I declare that they will be a strong builder for the kingdom of heaven, that all of hell is being put on notice today because of your calling over their life and what you've equipped them for far in advance for the good works that you've purposed for them to do. I bless all my builder friends today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a builder. You can be seated. Jesus is building his church. Amen. When you, when you look at this passage of Scripture contextually, you will see that Paul is referring to the building of the church in the city at Corinth. What he's doing is he's helping those that are responsible for building that church to build in the right way, and he's also telling them how not to build in the wrong way. Because, and this is a key part of this passage of Scripture, because there is coming a day of judgment for all of us. We need to remember that this morning, church. The Bible says that we will all be judged for every idle word that we have spoken. If that doesn't sober you up on a Sunday morning, I don't know what will. All of us are going to experience some measure of God's judgment in this life. We're going to experience a day of reckoning where God calls us to the carpet and says, okay, let me examine what it is that you have been building. Let me look at it. Let me experience inspect it. I want to know, have you been using the right materials? Have you been obedient? Have you been building according to the grace? Or have you been building in your own strength? Paul tells us there is coming a day of judgment for us all, and how we build determines what, what part of what we build, if it will survive or not. So Paul wants us to be good builders. So what I want to do today, though, I don't want to look at this text through the lens of church. What I want to do today is I want to look at this text through the lens of leadership, all right? It's not every Sunday I do a leadership message, but I really felt that this text could really help the builders in the room in what God has graced you to build personally, all right? So we've been talking about building the church, church 
corporately, but what I want to do today is talk to you personally. Look at your neighbor and say, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talk to you personally about what it is that you are building in this life. So let's start here. In verse 9, Paul says to us these things. He says, you are, or we are, God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So I don't know if you knew this or not, but according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul teaches us we are God's fellow workers. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are God's co-worker. You have been chosen by God to be his co-worker. How many of you are humbled by that? I know I am, that God would choose me to work through. We're not to build independently from God, but we are to build with God. And other believers, the church, the body of Christ, they are also our co-workers. Everybody may have unique roles, but we all have the same boss, and ultimately, we all have the same mission. Amen? The second thing we see in verse 9 is that we are God's field. That means that you are recipient of God's resources. He sows his seeds of resource into you. All that we have began with God's generosity. It's good for us to remember that this morning in church. Everything you have has come as a result of God's great generosity. You are his field. He gives to you. He cares for you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he cultivates in you the seeds that he has sown. Therefore, he expects us to work with him to produce a harvest. God's fields are supposed to be fruitful. The third thing Paul says in verse 9 is, you are God's building. I like this one. He says, you are God's building. God is always actively working on you. You know, there's certain days I wish like the Lord would just stop adding stories. You know, I'm like, I'm good, actually. No more renovation. I'm good, actually. It's all good. I think it's, we're good. We're good. No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to move around the furniture just a little bit. You know what I mean? You are God's building. God is actively working on you. His desire is to build you up according to his blueprint, not yours. That means you're not your own building, and you're not allowed to build according to your own plans. Supremely, it is God that determines our location. Think about this like a building. Supreme, like, he's the city planner. He determines our location, our stature, our visibility, our reputation, and our purpose. You are God's building. Say it with me. Say, I am God's co-worker. I am God's field. And I am God's building. Yeah. So as we uh, talk about being a builder today, you may determine, you know, throughout the message today that your life needs some renovation. And if that's the case, uh, I want you to know our altars are going to be open. We're here to pray with you. God's here to encounter you, to transform you. You know, the thing about renovations is that they always take longer than you want them to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anybody ever renovated a house before? They were like, it'll be done in 90 days. Psych. Right? It's like nine months. You're still like, what is going on? And that's kind of the way it is with our trans transformation. It never happens on our own timeline. I'm ready to arrive, God. I'm ready to be a finished masterpiece, Lord. No, I'm still working on you. 
You know, the other thing about uh, renovations is that they always take longer than you want them to, and they're always more costly than you want them to be as well. You're like, God, have I not sacrificed enough? Have I not said yes to you often enough? Have I not refused the things you told me to walk away from enough? Renovations are always costly. So if you hear the message today and you're like, my life needs some renovation, I want you to know God is here to renovate your life. And this is why God has to be the primary builder of our life. He is the absolute, as Paul said, the wise master builder. And that's what he's called each and every one of us to be in this life, is to be wise master builders so that we can be like him. You know, a few years ago, my wife and I, we actually renovated a house. And if you need, any, if you need a test in your life, renovate a house. Just tell you, it just comes with tests, right? It took so much longer than we expected. It was so much more expensive than we expected it to be. And we basically took the whole house down to the studs and we built it back beautifully. It, it, was, it was a you know, retrospectively, it's like, it was an awesome process and we got to do something really fun. But in the, in, in the middle of it, it was very difficult. I remember whenever we first started our renovation, we were walking through the house with uh, some master builders, right? And what we, what we were doing is we were interviewing builders because we didn't want just any builder. We wanted a wise master builder, right? And so I remember telling them, I said, hey, I'm picky. And, and they didn't believe me. They were like, oh, yeah, sure, it's, it's all good. I said, no, I'm warning you, I'm picky. And I remember by the end of it, they were like, you picky, bro. You're very picky, right? Because I wanted to make sure that we hired the right person because I didn't want to end up on Reddit. I don't, know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like some construction fails on Reddit before, but I, I got some for you so you could see. This is the reason why you need a wise master builder. You don't want to end up with one of these doors, you know, down to your basement. No chance. You can go to the next one. That right there. Alan's in here. I know he's a builder. Bro, like, what's going on right here? Yep, you're not going anywhere right there. I don't know what's happening there. Yep, missed it. We just missed it entirely. Right there. And then, you know, they looked at the plans, and uh, you can't go up those stairs. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do in that situation. You know what I mean? I guess you just, yeah, you're just going to have to, like, bounce over. I mean, unless you're Wimby, the new basketball player, you can't reach that toilet paper, right? No, it's not going to happen. Whenever you have an important project like your family home, you want to pick the right builder, right? God has an important project, his family home, which is his church. And I want you to know he has picked the right builders. We are his builders. You're a builder. I'm a builder. And that means that we can't be bad builders. And you know what bad builders always do? They build according to their own plans. Bad builders always build according to their own plans. Yeah, I heard what you said. I know you're paying for it, but I'm going to go ahead and do whatever I want to do because I just feel like putting a door here. I just feel like the staircase should be like this. No, that's what bad builders do. They do whatever they want. We cannot do that. We must build according to the plans of God for our life. You know, the other thing that a bad builder does is they build in such a way where everything looks good, but they use the wrong materials. 
right? They're just faking it until they make it. And you don't actually know, Alan, I love that you're in here for this, you know, you, you don't actually know that they use the wrong materials until you have a problem, until judgment day comes. And then you realize, oh, you did not use the quality materials that I told you to use. Instead of that, you just picked out whatever was the least expensive, that was the quickest, and you put it up so that you could have something big, but the reality is it's not going to outlast the storm. You, you see what I'm saying? I love Paul's language here because he's teaching us how to be a skilled master builder. Now, I've got five points for you today on how to be a skilled master builder. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, build what God has given you grace to build. Build what God has given you grace to build, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm just going to go back through our passage. Verse 10 says, according to the grace God has given to me. Notice this is what the Apostle Paul is speaking regarding the church, regarding being a church builder. He didn't start by saying, I had a great idea. I had a good dream. I, I had a skill set. I've got some charisma. No, he said, I am able to build first and foremost because there is a grace of God resting upon my life for this project. So let me ask you, what has God shown you that he has given you grace to build in your life? Well, build that and stop building what you obviously know that he has not. What if you left this sanctuary today and you determined in your heart you are no longer going to spend time building things that God never told you to build and that you know that you don't have a grace to build? What if you just said, I'm going to stop that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Don't go against the grain of grace. Instead, follow your favor. Where has God opened doors in your life? The only way that you can really build sustainably is by the grace of God. Consider Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. says this, unless the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Right? He says, look, unless you build, unless the Lord builds, you know, you're not going to build anything strong or, or sustainable. And then he starts talking about watching over the city. You know what that's about? That's about protection. That's what that's about. It's like you, 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 you're not going to have protection over what you build when you build in your own strength like you are whenever you build according to the grace of God. And God builds the house. He says the watchmen, they stay awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and you go to late rest. I think our culture is eating up with this, right? Eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Build according to the grace of God on your life. You've got to have more than good dreams. You've got to have God dreams. God-sized dreams always require God-sized blessings. It's, it's not what you can, you know, figure out in your own strength, you know. It's not what you can figure out with your own intellect. It's going to require some grace. We must build according to the grace of God, and we must build according to the will of God if we are to build rightly. Just like Psalm 127 says, if we don't, all of our labor will be in vain unless God provides the grace to bless it. You know, a scary thought for me is to consider the end of my life. I think about this often, maybe too often. I don't know. I think about being on my deathbed, surrounded by my family, 
and I'm inspecting everything that I've built, I would hate to acknowledge that I had built according to my own blueprints rather than build according to the grace of God on my life. So make a decision today. I want to encourage you. Make a decision today to stop building what God has not given you grace to build. You can do anything, but you cannot do everything. All right? So make a decision today. And let me just ask one quick question before I go to the second point. Are you giving your family your leftovers? Listen, I, listen we're a city of dreamers. And we got a lot of people in the room that are very hard workers. That's one thing I love about this church. We got a theology for hard work. I love it. I love that about our church. We work hard. But let me ask you, are you giving your family your leftovers? Do you direct all of your life's virtue everywhere but where it's most important? God, family, your church. Ooh, it got quiet. Are you ready for point two? We'll lighten it up a little bit. Point two. We'll go on to the next one. Become competent where God has called you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you now. I, I, we, we just did a session in LSM 2. We got a school of ministry here, Legacy School of Ministry 1 and 2. And we just did a Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, some of our students are in the room. Applications are open, by the way. And uh, in LSM 2, we do a lot of leadership sessions. And so this week, I was talking to them about that, and that is to become competent where God has called you. 1 Corinthians 3 and 10 says, like a skilled, everybody say skilled, skilled. master builder. Like, it's not enough to have a prophetic word over your life that you are a builder. Uh-oh, charismatics. Uh, yeah, I know, you're about to get offended with me. Listen, it's not enough to have a promise over your life. Well, God has called me to be a builder where you better become competent in the area that God has placed a calling on your life or else that calling is just going to stay in potential form. <laughs> Somebody's like, I did not come to church for this today, all right? Like, where God gives you grace to grow, you've got to apply yourself to work. So that you can become competent where you are called. Building requires a calling, no doubt. But skilled building requires competence. The reason I pick on charismatics is because prophetic people are kind of the worst when it comes to this. They say things like, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will teach me everything whenever I need to know it. Well, it's bad stewardship to refuse to become competent where you declare that God has called you to build. We would never tolerate this mindset in any other scenario. Let's imagine you needed brain surgery. I need my surgeon to be more than filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, I am grateful that you speak in tongues, but I'm going to need you to have a degree. I'm going to need you to have gone to school before you open my head up and start operating on me. I'm grateful that you're called, but I want to know, are you competent? But as like Pentecostal people were like, man, that's all good. I got a prophetic word one time at a conference and I know how to do this. No, become competent where God has placed a call on your life. I told the LSM2 two students this this week, you need to hear this. You cannot expect God to promote you to a position of leadership that you refuse to prepare for. I'm called to this. Well, what are you doing now to prepare yourself for that opportunity? Okay, last thing, I'll get off this one. 
You cannot blame other people for not promoting you if you are unwilling to become skilled for the level of leadership you declare that God has called you to. Only the front row is like, yeah. That's because they're on staff. Like they like have to clap for me. All right, let's move on. Number three, build on the right foundation. Build on the right foundation. Verse 10, Paul said, I laid a foundation. The most important part of your house to get right is the foundation. Because if the foundation is off, guess what? Everything else is going to be off. The quality of your foundation determines the quantity of stories that you can build upon it. If you don't dig deep, you cannot build high. We've got people out here trying to build a skyscraper on a, on a six-inch foundation. Yeah. If you don't go deep enough with your foundation, you're not going to be able to build tall. The foundation of your house is what gives it its strength, its sustainability, its durability. But you know the thing about laying a foundation? It's boring. It's boring. I used to actually lay foundations with my grandfather as a teenager. And the type of people that do that work, you know, they're like, it was me. So I'm not talking bad about them because I was one of them people. But we're like grunts. You know, it's the boring work. You know who Discovery Channel is not doing a reality show about? People who pour foundations. There is no Joanna Gaines of foundation builders, right? But if there was not those people who came in and laid a strong, sturdy, durable, sustainable foundation, then there would be no opportunity for Joanna Gaines to come in and do the wallpaper. Yeah, one comes before the other, but we've literally got people today who are like, no, I just want to make sure I look good on the gram. I want to make sure, you know, the furniture looks good. I want to make sure that the house looks pretty. No, work on the foundation first. One of the things I've learned about leadership is that great leaders do boring work well. Great leaders, let me say it again, great leaders do boring work well. Number four. Success is selflessness. Success is selflessness. And this is verse 10 when Paul said, and someone else is building on it. Do you build in such a way where you are aware that at some point in the future, somebody else is going to inherit what you've worked on? Maybe you've heard this before. Success is succession. And I really believe that to be the case. You have to be aware that one day you're going to have the privilege of passing on what you've built to the next generation. And we need to be mindful of that. Proverbs 13.22 says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. What does that mean? When we build sinfully and selfishly, all that we accumulate will be passed on to someone who will steward it righteously. That's what the scripture says right here. Selfish building only builds for you. Selfless building builds for your grandchildren. I asked the LSM2 students this week, I said, hey, I want you to rate yourself from 1 to 10. What level of leader are you? And they're all humble, so nobody said 10 or anything, but there may have been a few thinking it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm an 8. I'm a 7. I'm a 9. Okay, so I said, that's great. That's awesome. Now, I want you to think about the people you're leading. Even if that's just your kids, if that's all you've got to respond with, I want you to think about the people that you're leading. Now, I want you to rate them 1 through 10. 
Because whatever you rate them is actually the real rating for you. How are you having an effect on the people that follow you? Do you care? Or is it just about me, myself, and I? No, listen, I don't need to, you know, carry them. I need them to carry the weight of my ambition. Are you with me this morning, church? Some of y'all like, hold on, wait, I wasn't ready for this leadership sermon. Are you doing okay? You guys good? Great. Success is selflessness. A selfless builder always considers legacy. They build with the expectation that eventually somebody else is going to build on what I've built. How does what you're building today impact the next generation tomorrow? We need to be thinking about that. Are we making the world a better place or just our world a better place? It's important. All right, last point, number five. Build with the right materials. Build with the right materials. Uh, maybe, maybe I should have said this on the last, last point, um, point three, uh, in regards to the foundation. Uh, let me just sneak this in real quick because I don't want you to overlook it. The right foundation is always Jesus. All right, I want to encourage you, build your life on Jesus. You probably expected that because this is a church. But can I tell you, build your Build your business on Jesus. I'm not saying it has to be public, but like build your career. Build, build whatever you're building. Build your creative agency on Jesus. You don't have to talk about it, but deep down the core values of what you're building, you say, man, I'm doing this for the glory of God. I'm doing this in obedience to God. I'm doing this to bless other people. You with me? Success is selflessness, and number five is build with the right materials. This is verse 12. He says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. You notice there that the materials that Paul lists, there's six of them. Three of them are high quality, and three of them are low quality. Three of them are hard to find, and three of them are easy to find. Three of them are valuable, and three of them are cheap. Every single one of us must be preparing to endure inspection. And I'm sure that some of you have already experienced moments of fiery refinement where what you have chosen to build with has been revealed. Ultimately, this is for our blessing. You know, we have offices that are not located here. They're elsewhere in East Nashville. And there has been a... um, there's a renovation happening at a building across the street from our offices for a long time. I don't even know what it is. Years ago, they told us it was going to be a liquor store and they needed us to sign something and we wouldn't sign it. Our lawyer told us not to, so um, we didn't. But for years, this place has been under renovation. And just recently, I guess they finally determined that it was going to be something. And so they've been building all of this stuff out there. And so on Friday, I'm sitting there, and I've got my, window, my office window open, and I'm looking, and they are, t- they are actively taking stuff down off the building. And I'm like, what is going on? And somebody walked into my office, looked over, and said, oh, they're taking all the stuff down. Must have failed inspection. Now, that is an important thing to remember, is that there's going to come a day where what you have built will be inspected. And what you don't want is to have to redo years of work as a result of building with the wrong materials. So don't build what's cheap and read- with what's cheap and readily accessible and what's, you know, 
inexpensive just so that you can build it fast. And I know our generation is obsessed with quickness and we live in this microwave generation, but we serve this crockpot God. He, he's not in a hurry, all right? The good things in life, you got to let marinate a little bit. It's not, no, I just got to build as high as I can, as fast as I can, as, you know, it's gotta, as quick as I can. I just, I just need to make sure it's up. But there's coming a day of refinement. There's coming a day of judgment. We cannot build with consumable, cheap, fast, and flammable materials that are not quality, not valuable, and that don't last. We've got to build with gold, with silver, and with precious stones because they're quality, they're character traits. We're building with good character. We're building with clean, clean hands and a pure heart. We're building with a pure ambition, a biblical ambition. Listen, I don't think the Bible has a problem with you being ambitious, but you've got to ask, why are you building? Who are you building for? And with what principles are you deploying when you build? So important. Building to last requires building carefully, intentionally, and refusing to take shortcuts. Let me tell you this as we close there are no shortcuts to your purpose. I wish, there, I wish there was. I wish there was a shortcut to my destiny. I wish I could just hit a little candy land, you know, shoots and ladders. I just, oh, man, that's great. I can skip all of those tests. I can skip all those moments of refinement. I can skip all those moments of rebuke. I can skip all of those moments of conviction. No, you cannot. There's no rebate on the anointing that you've been crying out to God, asking him for. There's no Black Friday sale. It costs what it costs, and it comes as a result of not taking shortcuts, saying, I am in this thing for the long haul. These are the kind of builders that we are going to be. A life that is built to last is not dreamt. It's built. A dynamic, powerful, healthy, biblical, strong family is not dreamt, it's built. A, a great career, a great business. Businesses aren't dreamt, they're built. No, I am going to build according to the blueprint of God for my life. And if it's not on the blueprint, then I'm going to scrap it because I know there's going to come a time of refinement and whatever God's put grace on my life to build, I will build according to that and it will pass Inspection. Build to last. Build to last. Build to last. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Build to last. This is the kind of builder that you are. Will you say it with me one more time? Say, I am a builder. I pray today in Jesus' name that the spirit of encouragement would fill your heart. If you are downcast right now, if you've had your head down, if you've been introspective in the last season wondering, can I really accomplish what it is that God has called me to accomplish? We know that Jesus is the lifter of our heads. And I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit and the finished work of the cross that your head would be lifted to the hills where your help comes from. This is not about your own strength. This is about the grace of God in operation in your life. And I pray right now that a waterfall of grace would be poured out over you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You are called. You will be equipped by the Holy Spirit as we give ourselves to the work that God has called us to accomplish. We are builders. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, lift up its countenance upon you, and give you peace. Amen. Find a few people, hug them.
So glad you came to Legacy today. If you need to come to the altars, the altars are open. We have some people here ready to serve you, wearing badges to pray for you. We love you so much. Have an amazing Sunday, Legacy. We love you. Tune in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.